Man, oh man, uh, not a good look for the Kansas City Chiefs once again falling for the fourth consecutive game. Now from 5-0 and to 6-6. Six and six. There was so much to be said about this football team, and we'll get into it here on this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. So far as you see, I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. I know there's a lot to be said. You guys are commenting on the social media pages, Facebook and Twitter. I know you guys are listening to this podcast wanting to hear my commentary. Trust me, I've got a lot to say. I've got a lot to say. Uh, how does this happen? There's so much to get into, uh, but it's worth repeating, even though I sound like a broken record saying this, but it is just so shocking and impossible to explain how this team went 5-0 to 6-6 after beating some of the best teams early on in the season and are falling to teams like the Jets, the Giants. Not the most competitive teams that you're facing. And here the Chiefs are now in a three-way tie for first place in the division. We'll get into that shortly as well. Plus, we'll wrap the show, go around the NFL, out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags. Uh, We could easily just go straight to the penalty flag segment with this podcast. We probably could do that, but uh, we'll we'll do it differently as usual with this podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugi in my Facebook page. Did the Facebook Live at halftime and after the game. And as always, you guys brought it. You guys are awesome with all of this. Appreciate you guys joining me on the Facebook Lives. If you haven't joined us yet for a Facebook Live video, hey, it's never too late. Join us at halftime and after the game for every uh, Chiefs game. And I'll do a Facebook Live. And if you guys want to be part of that, Facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugi. And that is my Facebook page. Like that page. Follow me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. And as always, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and share the links to the podcast on social media. Helps the podcast out greatly. Spread the word for the Chiefs Home Podcast. Now, I know I always say iTunes and Google Play. Now, let me just say this. I don't have Google Play. I've never used Google Play before. But I've had people ask me before, or tell me before rather, that they listen on Google Play, and I had mentioned it on the podcast, of course. Somebody asked on the Facebook page how they can find it on Google Play, and and they can't seem to find it. So, uh, again, I don't have Google Play, so I'm asking you guys for help. If you guys do see it on Google Play, if you guys are able to listen on that, let me know. Um, If you guys can email me or send me a Facebook message whatever, and try to let me know how, so that way I can let everyone else know if they would prefer to listen through Google Play. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are listening through iTunes, which is totally fine. But for those who are listening through Google Play or some sort of Google format, uh, not named iTunes, uh, let me know how you guys are able to access the podcast because I think some people have a question as to how you can access this podcast on there. But anyway, nonetheless, enough of that. The Chiefs lose to the Jets, 38-31, losing four consecutive games, losing three straight since the bye week, and are now 1-6 and six in their last seven games. And the, the, this, was, this was tough to really watch, because once again, it, the Chiefs are finding new ways to humiliate themselves. 
And you want to talk about some of the most egregious moments in franchise history? Marcus Peters really found a way to just amp up the level, I guess. I I mean, set the bar high as you can for embarrassing moments with this franchise history. That's what the Chiefs seem to be doing right now. Let me just read you some team stats here. And I don't generally just read the team stats per se, but... They can really tell a lot of the story. Now, as far as total yards go, fairly similar. 488 yards to 474 yards. The Jets winning that one. Not a major difference there. Both fairly similar. Time of possession, oh boy. 42 minutes and 49 seconds for the Jets. 17 minutes and 11 seconds for the Chiefs. And part of that has to do with the fact that the Chiefs had two one-play touchdown drives. And I'll get into Alex Smith as well, because his performance needs to be noted in this football game. But a lot of people are talking about how, well, yeah, I shouldn't say a lot of people. A lot of people have actually forgotten about this. But few people are pointing out the fact that the Chiefs scoring on one play drives hurt their ability to, to come away with the win in this football game. And it actually hurt the defense more than helped them. If you look at the game against the Atlanta Falcons, the the Patriots and the Falcons in the Super Bowl last year, and if you're wondering why did the Patriots come back in this football game, the Patriots, they had way more plays than the Falcons did in the Super Bowl. If you look at total plays, from last year's Super Bowl that went into overtime. Of course, we're talking about that big comeback for the Patriots. The Patriots ran 93 plays to Atlanta's 46 in that football game. And if you want to look compare that to Kansas City in this game, the Jets ran 85 plays and the Chiefs ran 46. So for the Chiefs to get off to a 14-0 start and to have these one-play touchdown drives on uh, multiple occasions after the Jets had, what, what was it, nearly a 10-minute drive to start off the second half, that one-play drive, that touchdown to Tyreek Hill, that actually hurt Kansas City's defense. So when you're looking at these kinds of numbers here and you, when you say okay 488 yards 474 yards fairly similar but when you look at time of possession and how the Jets found a way to beat the Chiefs and give credit to Todd Bowles and this offensive staff here because they knew that Kansas City's defense they're a bend don't break defense so if they could find a way to exploit the rush rushing game and they just kept going at that and they found that glaring weakness in Kansas City's defense, which is stopping the run. I mean, that was that was no shocker to anybody. And not even that. And by the way, the Jets ran for 157 yards on the ground. But not just that. You had the quarterback for the Jets, who not many people could name. McCown, Josh McCown. He ran for two first downs in this football game. Ran for two. And he also ran in twice. 
for touchdowns. I mean, this guy, and by the way, there were also a couple of quarterback stinks that I am not including in that set right there. I'm talking like third and long kind of plays that Josh McCown ran to pick up first downs to convert. And if you look at the team numbers in this game, Kansas City had a total of 17 first downs, the Jets with 30. Now, if you want to look at how the Jets got those 30 first downs, four of them from penalties, 16 of them were passing plays. The Jets had 16 passing plays that went for first downs, almost equating Kansas City's overall total of 17 first downs. And by the way, if you want to look at third down efficiency, the Jets were 13 of 20 on third down. The Chiefs were 3 of 8. The Jets had more conversions on third down than the Chiefs had uh, third down tries in this football game. So this was not a very pretty game for the Chiefs, and time of possession was a big reason for that. The Chiefs didn't have a lot of long drives in this football game, whereas the Jets did, and that is because they had nearly 43 minutes of possession. That's the biggest difference in this football game. Now, as far as what happened on the field, individual performances, oh, well, I mean, Travis Kelsey was great early on. Four catches for 94 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Uh, he caught the first two touchdowns of the game. One of them on a five-play quick drive in which the Chiefs picked up three first downs Already way more than what they had last week. And Tyreek Hill in this football game. Now Travis Kelsey disappeared the rest of the game. But Tyreek Hill the rest of the way. Six catches, 185 yards. And two touchdowns. And by the way, the New York Jets. I mentioned this in the preview podcast last week. The Jets for the second week in a row have two players with more than 100 receiving yards. On offense. And... Josh McCown, not the greatest quarterback out there, but he did a great job of helping distribute the football out there. And Alec, listen, Kareem Hunt continues to struggle. And for whatever reason, Alex Smith, he's struggling as well. 19 of 33 passing, not the greatest completion attempt number to have. But in the 19 completions he had, four of them went for touchdowns, threw for 366 yards. And that's good for a 95 quarterback rating. And by the way, Alex Smith ran 70 yards. That's the biggest run the Chiefs have had in a long time. Kareem Hunt has not been able to run a lot for the Chiefs lately. How's it not been very good? And look, however you do it, this offense found a way to score 31 points. And Harrison Butker should have added three more to that, but look. That was only his second miss of the season. His first after making 23. So I'm not going to bag on him for missing a field goal in this football game. Yeah, it could have helped momentum a little bit. But the guy had been doing everything when the offense was not able to pull through and score touchdowns in the past few games. And again, like I said, uh, the, the there was that report. There were two big Chiefs reports early Sunday morning. The first one was... 
that the Chiefs plan on remaining with Alex Smith. And look, as great of a game he had, and I don't care what your stance is with Alex Smith, everyone needs to give him credit for this football game. 366 yards, four touchdowns. You, we have criticized him for doing things that we thought he would never do again. And he did those things in this football game. There is one thing that he's got to take responsibility for, and I'll get to that in a moment. But the other big piece of news that came out, Andy Reid handed off the play calling duties to Matt Nagy. Now, there were a lot of discussions about how the first 15 plays are still scripted. And, you know, that, that to me doesn't really matter. I, I mean, script all the plays. I don't care. But at the end of the day... Whether they're they're scripted or not, the Chiefs need to find a way to execute more. And again, this goes back to what I was just saying about Alex Smith. They didn't necessarily have the most perfect game. 19 of 33 passing. I mean, that's those aren't great numbers, especially for Alex Smith. And he's had a lot of these kinds of numbers lately where he doesn't have the greatest completion percentage. Had 14 incompletions in this football game. And I saw Dove Kleiman tweet this. And he said that Alex Smith had an opportunity for the third straight week to lead his team to a game-winning drive, and he did not do that. And I thought to myself, look, I'm not going to blame Alex Smith. Even though he did not lead the Chiefs to a game-winning drive or a game-tying drive, the guy showed up in this football game when we had criticized him so much. But at the same time, and Linda sent me a tweet about this, and I thought, okay, this is actually a valid point when she's saying Even when you see the Packers and the Patriots involved in games like this, where it's a high-scoring game, but they need their quarterback to come through in the end, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, 99 times out of 100, they will find ways to come through in the clutch and find a way to give their team the lead, or at the very least, tie the game in high-scoring battles. And that's something Alex Smith has not been able to do. Now, these past three games I just mentioned, uh, from the tweet that Dove Kleiman said, Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alex Smith missed. So Marcus Robinson wide open in the end zone. Missed him again on a wide open play. Against the Oakland Raiders when the Chiefs got the ball back. The Chiefs went three and out so the offense could never do anything. Alex Smith could have put the game away at at that point. Rather than seeing that crazy ending that we saw. And you want to go back to last season against the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chiefs were not able to come away with a win in the end against those two teams. Again, those were not the most competitive teams in the NFL last year. So there is a case to be made that, listen, Alex Smith, as great as, uh, even though he can have great games, the problem with him is when it comes to that final drive, if the Chiefs need a lead or a, a tie, some sort of a touchdown, Alex Smith does not bring that to you. He just does not. Only time I can recall him doing so was against the Denver Broncos last year where the Chiefs tied it to come back uh, when Tyreek Hill had that phenomenal game. Three total touchdowns in that game. And if you want to know one other defining moment in which Alex Smith cannot come through in the clutch on the final drive when you need him to in waning moments of the game, look at the game in 2014 against the 49ers when the Chiefs went to visit the 49ers, Alex Smith's former team, as you guys all may remember. And Alex Smith, at the end of the game, when the Chiefs needed a touchdown to win, throws an interception, which sealed the game, and that essentially proved, at the time, why the 49ers stuck with Colin Kaepernick over Alex Smith. 
Now again, I know that's being a little picky for a guy who threw four touchdowns and threw under 66 yards. As I've said, I'm not really cho- I'm not choosing to blame on blame it on Alex Smith. He had he had one of the the best games this season, and we have criticized him all week, especially me for struggling lately and for not being able to do the things that we we've been asking him to do, and we thought he would never be able to do again. So. Listen, as far as Alex, as far as I'm concerned with Alex Smith in this football game, I thought he showed up in this game. I thought he did his job. The defense in the past two games, have they played great? No. But they held the Giants to nine points before the end of regulation, and they held the Buffalo Bills to 16 points. If the defense is able to do that, the offense should find a way to win in, the, in, the, in this football game. Alex Smith was the blame for those two games. In this football game, Alex Smith did his job, and he came through in the clutch, and in all fairness, We have to blame this game on the defense. The defense, they did not show up in this game and allow 38 points. 11 in the fourth quarter. And after the Chiefs got off to a 14-0 start in the fourth quarter, the Jets also added 14 points in the fourth quarter. Or, excuse me, in the first quarter. And Andy Reid was asked about this in the post-game press conference. You know, why can this team never find a balance? You'll have a great offense and a bad defense one game, and in the next game... You have a great defensive showing and a bad offensive outing. And I think it was Therese Paler who asked this question, and Andy Reid's response was, hey, you just got to keep playing. Which really is not any, I mean, that doesn't really show a logical solution. Now, at the same time, I don't think Andy Reid's going to give away schematics and explain what really needs to be done uh, as far as going into the X's and O's and giving all these details. That's obviously for them to decide behind closed doors. But there's just so much that really goes... I mean, this defense, Derek Johnson's not playing very well. It, unfortunately, it just seems like he's starting to decline more and more. Had a couple of plays. He did come out, come out with a big stop at one point in the game. But uh, more times than not, it's been t- tough to see Derek Johnson. Steven Nelson committing all sorts of penalties in this football game. This Chiefs defense, they shot this team in the foot. They did not put this team in position to win after doing so the past couple of games. And even the the Cowboys game, no, not the greatest performance, but allowing 28 points, not terrible. They, they held Ezekiel Elliott in check. It's not like they allowed him to go off for a big game. The Pittsburgh Steelers, as bad as this game was, they didn't allow the Steelers to run up the scoreboard in that football game. So there have been a lot of games where this defense, as bad as they've been, they're, they continue to not allow a lot of points. And the Jets did exactly what the Titans and the Buccaneers did last year. When those two teams visited Arrowhead Stadium. And the Jets did exactly that. To come away with with a win over the Chiefs. I think the the toughest part is. Like I said. Seeing this team go from 5-0 to 6-6. And, and on top of that. During these 12 games. There's just been an imbalance. There isn't a balance with this football team. And it's not just this year, it's ever since Andy Reid arrived. For the majority of the first three, four years of Andy Reid's time here in in Kansas City, the defense has been great, but the offense has not been able to return the favor. Somehow, someway, the Chiefs have have managed to still finish above 500 every season. This year, it's been back and forth. This is the best 
season we've seen from Kansas City's offense. Alex Smith, for the longest time, led the league in touchdowns and in passing yards and had the best quarterback rating. We all know about the rushing game, Kareem Hunt, what he was able to do early on in the season. And that's helped him remain in the top three in rushing somehow. But this is a this is a team that they're just not able to find that balance for whatever reason. They just cannot find it. And Darrell Rivas, you look at his performance, of course, making his debut against his former team was an honorary captain for the Chiefs in this game. This guy missed a ton of tackles. You want to talk about hoping to fill in the void for Philip Gaines? Darrell Rivas, honestly, in my opinion, you could just say that Philip Gaines dressed up as Darrell Rivas in this game. Because Darrell Rivas looked just as bad as Philip Gaines did. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Maybe it's his first game back. The announcers did mention several times it's his first game in 11 months. So maybe he just needed to get his feet wet. Now, I know he got a little bit hurt as well, so he didn't play a whole lot in the second half. But that was just atrocious for a guy who, quote, knows this defense like the back of his hand. He didn't know how to tackle. I don't care how well you know this defense. I don't care how much experience you have under Bob Sutton. If you don't know how to tackle, who cares how familiar you are with the system? Darrell Rivas looked horrible in this football game. Justin Houston, very quiet game from him. Was It was in the game. Didn't have any sacks. Didn't have any tackles in this football game. Almost was as active as Tambahali and D. Ford, who were inactive in this game, by the way. Now, as far as Marcus Peters goes, and... I don't even know where to begin with this one uh, because this is this was a comedy of our of all errors. Now, as you guys may remember, the Jets did score a touchdown to make it 36-31. They wanted to go for the two points to make it a seven-point game in case the Chiefs were to tie it, which we all know with Alex Smith, that's just not the case or w- would not have been the case. But nonetheless, the Chiefs commit a, a penalty, and I think this was on Steven Nelson Marcus Peters went off, and I remember seeing him go up to the referee face to face, chest to chest, not not no contact. And I said, "He's he better be careful because if he comes in contact with an official, that is an ejection and another penalty." Instead, Peters picks up the flag and chucks it into the stands. Which, first of all, you are not allowed absolutely whatsoever to touch an official's penalty and throw it around. So that was another added penalty right then and there. And apparently, Marcus Peters thought he was ejected from the game. He goes up to a a Chiefs fan that he finds. He takes off his gloves and gives it to a fan and heads for the locker room. And the officials... Or excuse me, the uh, the announcers got the word from the officiating crew from New York that Marcus Peters was not ejected. So somebody they they finally told the Chiefs. Some uh, equipment manager for the Chiefs ran to the locker room, got Marcus Peters to come back out. The guy Marcus Peters had to put on his shoes. He had no socks on in this game. I mean, you want to talk about him protesting before a game? Marcus Peters was essentially protesting socks. The guy left the game. Now, I don't know exactly what happened if he was, if they were told 
that he was ejected. I mean, it seemed like he was ejected. They, the referees did not do a good job making this clear because everyone thought he was ejected. So, Marcus Peters, who wasn't even ejected, apparently, walking off the field, then runs back, doesn't even have socks on. Doesn't have his gloves with him. So, at this point, it's just, what is even happening at this point? And going back to Alex Smith, you know, the incompletions I mentioned, there were a lot of bad throws from Alex Smith where he was just throwing into wide open space, incomplete, especially on that final drive there, on the final four plays for the Chiefs. This is a this is a team that needs to find a way to get it together. I was watching uh, Sunday NFL Countdown on ESPN, and I normally don't watch a lot of these preview shows. I'm always running errands, doing a whole lot of things uh, before games. So I, I generally don't get a chance to watch these preview shows and don't really care a whole lot. But I had some time on my hands uh, this time uh, on Sunday morning, so I decided to watch for once. And they were talking about Kansas City's offense, and it was Matt Hasselbeck who compared the Chiefs to a high school or a Pop Warner team and said that those those teams get paid milk and cookies and they don't make the mistakes that the Chiefs do who get paid professionally. Uh, I was listening to Jim Rome on, on CBS, uh, on the NFL Today on CBS, and he compared, he said that Alex Smith was channeling his inner Tom Brady only to look like Tyler Palco right now. And I'm, I've got to I've got to be impressed because, uh, boy, I did not know Jim Rome knew who Tyler Palco was. So that itself was pretty impressive. I don't know how many people watching knew who Tyler Palco was. Probably had to Google it if they cared to do so. But Chiefs fans knew who the hell Jim Rome was talking about. And I do have to mention this. I almost forgot about this. The trick play on third and one. I believe this was in the third quarter. Travis Kelsey comes off the field, and oddly enough, the camera a cameraman was following Kelsey off the field, and CBS decided to show that that camera live. And I thought that was kind of interesting because on third and one, the Chiefs are going for it, and surely you that's whatever whether you're running or you're passing, you need Travis Kelsey there. The Chiefs go for a play action play and. They throw it to Cameron Irving, your backup offensive lineman. And not just any, not not a short throw. This is like a 10, 15 yard pass where Irving has to jump up to try to make this catch with two defenders, not necessarily on him, but they're at least in in the area. Didn't we learn our lesson with Tyreek Hill throwing that interception, Travis Kelsey throwing an interception, and now we have Alex Smith throwing to an offensive lineman now. Why haven't the Chiefs learned their lesson yet? We we were excited Sunday morning when Andy Reid handed off the play calling duties to Matt Nagy, but we're still calling these erroneous trick plays that just aren't even working. So what what is there to be done? What needs to be done with this Chiefs football team? Because... When I was watching the countdown on ESPN, Matt Hasselbeck and Rex Ryan, they both said, look, they have issues, but they're very fixable issues. Now, I have been saying this for weeks, and they have not fixed them yet. When the offense does get better, the defense starts to play like crap. So at this point, I don't know what the solution is. 
maybe this is a coaching deal and maybe they need to clean house with the coaching staff as much as I hate to say it. And listen, you guys know me. I've been a big supporter of Andy Reid ever since he's gotten here. The Chiefs have finished above 500 and they've done so for four consecutive years. That has not happened since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. And I have been very critical of Bill Self, the head coach for the Jayhawks in basketball, of course. I honestly think he's the most overrated coach in basketball. However, I have never called for him to be fired because at the end of the day, who are you going to get better to replace him? The same thing goes with Andy Reid. If you're going to fire Andy Reid, a guy who has had far more success than a lot of head coaches in the National Football League, even though he doesn't have a ring, who are you going to find that can do better? I don't think you can find a lot of guys that can do better than Andy Reid. I really don't. And I know that sounds like a hard thing to believe. But at the end of the day, can you really find a head coach that can consistently, and when I say consistently, I'm talking about Andy Reid all four years. So far, he has helped the Chiefs finish above 500. So... If you are entertaining the idea of a new coach, well, who, who's your suggestion? Who do you think can come in? And I think that's something that, you know, I keep that in mind. Whenever I want a new change with a player or a coach, you have to be able to come up with the right guy to replace him. With Alex Smith, look, we all know it's Pat Mahomes that can come in and fill him. But with Andy Reid, if you want him gone, who's going to come in? And no one knows. I don't know who you would put in his place for the next season. I really don't. And I, I do want to take a moment. I mentioned this on the Facebook page, and I, I think it's worth repeating here on the podcast. Um, this is me right now just talking strictly as a fan. Something I don't normally do. But like many of you guys, I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. And, and I love this team and look forward to Sundays, even during the, the bad seasons. I really do. And I understand I'm, I'm 26. I'm younger than most Chiefs fans out there. But regardless... It doesn't matter what, how old you are or how long you've been a Chiefs fan. Chiefs fans of every generation have witnessed really disappointing endings. We don't need to go over all of them. This is not, that's not a fun time to go over memory lane. Earlier this year, when the Chiefs beat the Patriots, the Chiefs bragged on social media about how they've recently beat the Patriots, the Broncos three times, the Falcons the Panthers, all recent Super Bowl participants in the regular season. That's nice and all, but there's a reason why we have a postseason and a regular season, and that we don't crown teams in the regular season. The Chiefs have had a lot of great regular seasons the past 29 years, essentially since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. But this team, for whatever reason, falls apart when it's time for the playoffs. The Chiefs somehow beat that living hell out of the Patriots, especially in that fourth quarter there. And I actually had that game on my my DVR, and I, I watched it back Saturday morning during breakfast just to reminisce some good times. That offense, they played with confidence. They played with aggression. They they played like they knew. What they, they played like they were the five-time Super Bowl champions. That's what they looked like in that Patriots game. And the Patriots didn't look like that. Why? Because the Chiefs dominated and controlled them. The Chiefs 
look like the complete opposite of that 11 games later. How is that possible? I have no idea. Especially when you beat the Eagles, a Deshaun Watson-led Texans team. I don't know how that happens. I really don't know how the Chiefs go from that 5-0 phenomenal start to this. We have seen collapses. We have not seen this. Seeing how teams can fall apart after such a great start against some great teams. I don't know how the Chiefs have done that. I really don't. The Chiefs started off 5-0 only to come out of the bye week and lose to teams like the Giants and the Jets. I'll just wrap this up by saying the Chiefs really do have the best fans in the NFL. I said this last week, said it many times. They've got the best fans in the NFL, the most passionate fans. They care even during the bad seasons. The Chiefs, however, they do a wonderful job of letting these Chiefs fans down. And Chiefs fans deserve better. They really do. I don't know what Arrowhead is going to look like next week. I I, I really don't. I'm kind of nervous. Is it going to be more Raiders fans than Chiefs fans? I, I, I've never been this nervous since 2012. Wondering what Arrowhead is going to look like as far as crowd attendance and which team would have more fans. We made a lot of jokes about how the Chargers don't even have a home stadium because there are more visitors, uh, more fans from the visiting team than there were from the home team. Uh, More Chargers fans. And there's a possibility Arrowhead could look like that this week. And listen, good for Chiefs fans for not going if they don't want to. They don't deserve to pay all that money for traffic, pay all that money for a beer, hot dog, whatever else you buy in there. Uh, go Deal with the ruthless, uh, long, tedious traffic before and after the games and then watch that game for three, three and a half hours. I mean, you're listen, that, that's essentially like uh, what? Seven hour, eight hour day. From when it comes from going, leaving your house, heading over to the game. And of course it depends where you live. Dealing with the traffic. So you've got to try to get there a little early to get through all that. And then watch the game and and then leave and deal with that traffic. Especially when you're pissed off and you're dealing with that traffic. Because you just saw your team get killed at home. I have no idea what to what to really say about this team with this team. They have done a fantastic job of letting their fans down. The best fans in, in all of sports. I don't I, I don't even know I, I said coming off the bye, I said the Chiefs would win the rest of the way. They have lost every single I sat here I sat here saying this to you guys. I said the Chiefs would win every single game. Now I'm sitting here asking you guys who can they beat? They can't beat the Giants, uh, who were 1-8 and eight and were using second and third stringers and are probably going to fire their head coach on Monday and have changed the quarterbacks from Eli Manning to Geno Smith. They can't beat the, the Bills, who don't even know which quarterback they want to stick with. They're, I mean, they've been going back and forth. Now it's happening because of an injury. They can't beat the Jets. And even the Jets cannot decide if they want to tank or compete for the AFC East. You're losing to these teams. If if you're losing to these teams, I don't know why I, I should have any confidence that this team is going to beat the Raiders, the Chargers, 
the Dolphins, or the Broncos. I don't know why I have I should have any confidence in that happening. Absolutely none. And there, there, there are a lot of people who could lose their jobs. Andy Reid could be one of them right now. This is a fireball offense to go five and zero with a fantastic start, impressive start, all the way to this. There's a three way tie for first place in the AFC West. Oddly enough, the Chargers winning helps the Chiefs. I know sounds pretty damn crazy, but that's the, that's the truth. If the Raiders won and the Chargers lost. The Raiders would have taken over first place in the, in the division. However, because there's a three-way tie, they go to the division record. And the Chiefs have the best record in the division right now. So, thankfully, the Chiefs are in first place for one more week. The good news, another piece of good news, very hard to find a lot of pieces of good news, but there is some. The Chiefs play the Raiders. And... If the Chiefs can beat the Raiders, they can build a gap and take first place in the AFC. Or AFC West, pardon me. Uh, Forget about the AFC. That's long over with. There's no way the Chiefs are catching up there. The Chiefs can take over the AFC West by beating the Oakland Raiders this Sunday. Is that going to happen? That's pretty much a tall order at this point. But there's a reason why they play these games. They don't just pencil them in as wins and losses. So there's still an opportunity to do something. I said earlier in the year, don't just assume the Chiefs are going to lose in the playoffs. Because anything can happen. I was not expecting the Chiefs to miss the playoffs. I thought they they could at least, you know, pull a Kansas City Royals and and try to try to do something in the postseason. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I don't I really don't know. Like this is inexplainable. This is this is just impossible to digest. I, and I've done this podcast for ten seasons now. I've never been at a loss for words talking about a football team. I, I really have not. I mean, these ridiculous trick plays that aren't even working. Uh, just the lack of confidence, the lack of aggressiveness that this team had. And they don't show it anymore. The, 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 everything. Just the way this team looks. And, and it's funny how much, uh, how, how different a team can look 12 games, 11, 12 games later. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. I really haven't. I, we have seen teams get off to great starts and then fall apart. I don't know if we've seen a team defeat some of the best teams in the NFL, like the Patriots and the Eagles, only to look like this in December. In this football game, we saw the 5-0 Kansas City Chiefs, and we also saw the 1-6 Kansas City Chiefs, referring to what their record uh, has been since the 5-0 start. We saw both of them, and we saw both of them in the first half. Actually, we saw them both in the first quarter. That 14-0 start, I, I had some confidence in me, and I, I said this, I said, look, the Chiefs are getting back on track. It's the Jets, but this is a starting point. They can get back on track with this. And I even told myself, and if, if I did not, I didn't tweet this or anything. Thank God I didn't. But I actually thought we would have seen Pat Mahomes in this game. I really thought it was going to come down to that. Only for the Jets to tie it all, all, all up and eventually knock the Chiefs out um, in this game. 
I don't know what the solution is. And uh, look, Clark Hunt, I think he's got a lot to do. I think this guy's got to speak up. There have been owners in the past who have spoken up during the season. Clark Hunt, he spoke up when uh, fans were apparently cheering when when Matt Castle got hurt. Uh, You know, Clark Hunt makes a statement on that. Uh, When the Javon Belcher incident happened, uh, you know, he had to make a statement there. And that one's understandable because that's a very, that was just a tragic moment. Um, He's got to say something, though. There have been owners that have publicly called out the coaching staff and players during a season before. The Titans did it. The Raiders did it. Listen, this Chiefs team, they've got so many talented players on this football team right now. And they are blowing a big opportunity as far as just having something special with this football team. I said this after the Steelers' postseason loss. I said this last year. I said, look, even if the Chiefs get off to a great start and are the last unbeaten team to lose a game, I'm not going to fall for it because the Chiefs always find a way to disappoint us. I said that in the offseason. And when the Chiefs got off to the 5-0 and start that they did against the teams that they were beating, I bought into it, man. I really did. And I have no one to blame but myself for falling for all of that. I don't know. I mean, and then this whole Marcus Peters thing, throwing. And I know people want to bring up Travis Kelsey make that comparison. Travis Kelsey has learned his lesson and is no longer doing this. People want to blame Andy Reid for what Marcus Peters did. I think that's ludicrous. I think that's, that's, that's crazy. It is not Andy Reid's fault that Marcus Peters is acting like a child. That's not Andy Reid's fault. I highly doubt Andy Reid's telling these guys in practice, hey, act like complete crybabies anytime a, a, a ref throws a flag on you at you. I highly doubt he does it because if he did, other players would be doing it on the team. This is a Marcus Peters issue. Travis Kelsey, he had some issues early on in the season and last year, as you all may remember. Surely... Andy Reid talked to him behind closed doors and let him know, stop doing this. And we have not seen Travis Kelsey do anything since then. So this is not an Andy Reid issue. And listen, Andy Reid has dealt with a lot of players who are, who have been who have been troubled in the past. Whether it's issues with Mike Vick or Tyreek Hill off the field. Whether it's immature behavior on the field. Andy Reid's dealt with a lot of players and he has found a way to, to make those adjustments. For whatever reason... He can't make that adjustment with Marcus Peters, but he's done it with everyone else. You haven't seen Mike Vick get in trouble since he came back to the NFL. You haven't seen Tyreek Hill do anything. You haven't seen Travis Kelsey do anything stupid since he did in the first couple games of the season. So why is it that we're blaming Andy Reid for Marcus Peters' actions? I know for sure, and you guys do too, that Andy Reid's talked to Marcus Peters about all this. This is not an Andy Reid-faulted issue. This is all on Peters. And people are saying, oh, he's just playing with passion. He's an emotional player. Someone criticized me on Twitter and said that you, you've never seen a football player play with emotion. That is the dumbest thing I have ever read. The dumbest excuse I have ever heard from a football fan. Never make the excuse that a football player is playing emotionally. All of these players are playing emotionally. I mean, you don't think emotion is part of the game? Every single player, all 32 teams, every all 53 players on all 32 teams have emotion in them. Don't tell me they don't. There's a reason why 
Not all of them are doing the ridiculous things that Marcus Peters is doing. This is this kind of reminds me of college athletes when they do stupid crap. Uh, people make the excuse, oh, well, they're young. They're learning. Really? They're young and they're learning? How come you don't see this from every college player? Uh, I know this is a little bit of a more sensitive issue because, because uh, of what happened last January, but people made so many excuses for... Royals pitcher Giordano Ventura, when he was constantly fighting with players of the opposing team, and when his death happened, uh, well, before his death happened, people were saying that he was young. And I, again, I don't buy that excuse. And then when when he lost his life in a car accident, people were saying, well, he did it because he was so passionate, and he wanted to fight for the team. That's not a way to do it. This is not a way to go about it. You can show passion. You can play emo- You can play emotionally. In many ways, that doesn't mean you you do stupid stuff like that, like picking up a flag and throwing it rows into the stands to let a fan get, get, take a souvenir home and take selfies with it. Enough with the excuse. I don't know what it is. Week after week, there are very few Chiefs fans out there that are making some sort of ridiculous excuse for this football team. Enough with the excuses. A loss is a loss. Doesn't matter if it's by one point or a hundred points. When you're losing games, you're losing games. There's no stat for how much you've lost by. Well, there actually is, but that doesn't take into account as to who leads in divisions and who doesn't. Who makes it to the playoffs? Who wins championships? No, not the case. So enough with the excuses with this football team. They're losing, they're they're playing horribly, and they're playing immaturely too. And there's a lot of blame to go around. And I don't know what to make of this football team and just how much they've collapsed. It is one of the worst things I have ever seen. And I'm a little nervous what's going to happen in the final four games and what's going to happen as far as management goes. And guys guys who could lose their jobs, a shakeup that we could see, kind of makes me nervous. I've never been this nervous about a Chiefs football team. In 2012, 2011, listen, we all knew that people deserve to be fired because the Chiefs were just flat out horrible. We are seeing a complete 180 with this football team. Look, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. I have a, uh, I have a Facebook post. Uh, I posted this about 7.15 Sunday evening. I asked you guys, where do you stand with the Chiefs right now? What are your thoughts? And I said, look, caps lock, curse, no filter. I want to hear everyone's thoughts. So if you guys haven't yet, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Vesugian. Give it a like. Follow me on there. Let me know your thoughts. I really want to know where you guys stand and how you really feel about this football team and where your confidence level is. Let me know your guys' thoughts. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. This is this is just disgusting to watch. It really is. Uh, there have been some really bad moments in Chiefs history, and just when you think this Chiefs team cannot go below rock bottom, they find new ways to do it, and that's what makes it so hard to watch these games week in and week out. But uh, this is a uh, this is just a, a really really tough thing to watch. One thing I do want to talk about before we move on: uh, a lot of you guys have. Sent me uh, Facebook posts about this. Jeff Schwartz, a former NFL lineman, of course, played here in Kansas City. He has been very defensive about Alex Smith and has been completely against the idea of Pat Mahomes 
being being the replacement, being the starting quarterback right now. Let me just say this. Do I think Jeff Schwartz means, and I could be completely wrong, but this is just my stance right now. Do I think Jeff Schwartz means all of that? I'm going to say no. And here's why. His brother, as we all know, Mitchell Schwartz, is playing for the Chiefs. Now, as I'm sure you guys have heard, LeVar Ball, he is criticizing Luke Walton, the head coach of the Lakers. He's criticizing Julius Randle, other Lakers players. And even when his son is has the worst game and doesn't even help the Lakers out, he defends him and blames it on, on other players and, and blames it on the coaching staff. If Jeff Schwartz, who's not part of the NFL media, if Jeff Schwartz, who's also a brother, brother of a Chiefs player, starts criticizing Alex Smith and calls for the backup to come in, it just looks bad on Mitchell Schwartz, who's, who, of course, a part of the team. Jeff Schwartz does not want to put his brother in position to where it would be awkward for him to come into practice, come into the locker room, and, and go to the practice field and, and be around all these guys when everyone knows his brother is making these statements. They don't want a LeVar Ball situation. Now, I understand that the Ball family are a lot bigger and more public figures than the Schwartz family. I get that part. But that doesn't take away from the fact that a team could be bothered by this. And uh, listen, I don't care if Alex Smith is on social media or or not. His wife is. And we all remember his wife going off on uh, Gary Lezak, a meteorologist in Kansas City, for his opinion on Alex Smith. And listen, at the end of the day... Even if Alex Smith does not have social media, he is he he he's well aware of what people think about him. And if Jeff Schwartz is calling for a quarterback switch, it just looks bad on his brother Mitchell Schwartz. So he doesn't want to ever put his brother in that position. That's the only explanation I can give as to why Jeff Schwartz has been so defensive for Alex Smith. That's the only thing I can come up with. A lot of you guys have asked me about this and have told me have shared his tweets with me, which I have seen already. That is the only explanation I can really give. Moving on. I mean, win or lose, this team has to keep going. And they've got to find a way to get it together. Easier said than done. But these are easy solutions. They're just not able to figure it out. And that is the most frustrating part. And I think that's why you could see a lot of people, whether it's players or coaches, who could be let go after the season's over, if they, especially if they miss the playoffs. It, it, it's getting to that point, and it's very frustrating to see. We'll, of course, preview the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders Thursday morning on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. couple of big topics from the AFC East that are worth getting into. First one I want to talk about, and I alluded to this earlier on, Tyrod Taylor suffers a knee injury, was carted off the field in a a loss to the Patriots. Listen, the, the Bills have been up and down this year. They have. And for them to lose Tyrod Taylor after this crazy turn of events where they've gone back, they, they had Tyrod Taylor for a while and shockingly went to Nate Peterman Back to Tyrod Taylor, and now they're they're back to Peterman because Tyrod Taylor suffered this knee injury. Here's the here's the problem with teams like the Bills, and this is why the Bills have not been in the playoffs in forever. They're just a team that even when they find 
some sort of so, so some sort of a spotlight some so, so just something it does not go well remember Ryan Fitzpatrick uh what was it the 6 and 0 start he had in 2011 he he tore up the Chiefs in week 1 and went on to do many other great things uh during that 6 and 0 start then the Bills and of course kind of similar to the Chiefs only difference is the Bills weren't beating up on great teams the Bills just completely fall apart after they had already handed a six-year contract to Fitzpatrick, which obviously was never honored at the end of the day. They bring in EJ Manuel. doesn't work. They draft Tyrod Taylor. Actually does some bright things for them, and it looks like they found their quarterback of the future. Then they bench him, and then they get injured. Listen, I kind of think this is karma for the Bills for doing what they did and benching him early on in the season. Uh, it's just, listen... What they did to Tyrod Taylor was completely wrong. Now that they lost him with a knee injury, they're going to realize the whole benching him was a horrible move. They're going to see that. They're going to see that. Other piece of news I wanted to talk about from the AFC East. The Patriots uh, had a really... Uh, from the same game, by the way. Overcame a really ugly start against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, came away with a win, but kind of came in a weird way, too, because Tom Brady... Went off on Josh McDaniels on the sidelines, yelling at him, and uh, after the game, saying that he loves Josh and he's always been close to him. Uh, okay, come on. I mean, look, look, I'm not saying you you don't love him, but to go off on him like that when you know there are always cameras. He's Tom Brady. All these networks, whether it's a, whether it's ESPN, uh, CBS, whatever the game is broadcast on, there is always somebody. On Tom Brady. There's always a camera guy on Tom Brady. If it was, you know, Nate Peterman per se, no one cares. There's not always going to be a camera guy on Nate Peterman. So he could do something weird and it would be, it would not be, it would be missed because it's Nate Peterman. But when it's Tom Brady, they're going to follow you 24 7 when you're not behind those closed doors. So just understand that, you know, people know what you're doing. Your actions. And another thing we're talking about. Gronk. After a turnover. A player is already down. On the field. And losing his cool. This is actually worse than what Marcus Peters did. Actually jumps on top of a Bills player. He apologized for this. But the Bills completely unhappy about this. Calling this a dirty play. Uh, listen. you. Know, I mean you want to talk about Marcus Peters. And what he did. He All he did was throw a penalty flag. Into the stands. Marcus Peters hasn't physically hurt anybody Gronk this giant massive guy jumps on top of another builds player when the play is over when it's dead for no apparent reason and there was absolutely no logic in what he did there so this is kind of a bad game for both sides but as far as PR goes it's it looks bad for the Patriots PR wise and uh, this is, uh, th- th- their team, they're lucky to be great because if this was, let's just say the Chiefs, for lack of a better t- a team to use, uh, boy, uh, there would be a lot of explanation going around. And, and again, look, it's not like Marcus Peters punched another player on the field or a referee. He just threw a flag. Gronk, physically, like almost WWE style, went after another guy. Not good at all. Let's go out of bounds.
right, there's only one topic that I really want to discuss here, and that is the college football playoff system. Now, look, look, a lot of people for years have been saying that college football needs to have a playoff system. I mean, at least some sort of a some sort of a playoff system. They have to have it. And for years, they talked about how they were working on it. Now they finally have it. But still, it's a flawed system. Only four teams in a tournament. And honestly, I don't think four teams is a lot, especially in college sports where there are a lot of teams, a lot of great teams. Not every team is going to be in the top five, obviously. So, and honestly, I think four teams is, is way too little. I think they've got to they've got to seriously consider extending it to eight teams, having the regular season wrapped up one week earlier. And, and again, I don't know exactly how they would work around this. I know that... The seasons would expand a little longer if you have an eight-team tournament, but uh, you've got to find a way to do it because that, to me, it's very few, very few, not enough. And Ohio State, they they got hosed in this one. They really did. A team that certainly deserved to go into uh, the playoffs for college football, and they're not going to get it because there are not enough spots available. And I think four is too few Look at college basketball. They have 68. They considered 96 at one point. I know basketball and football are two different sports. You obviously can't have a 64-team tournament in football. Otherwise, you would have very long seasons. Uh, but you've got to at least consider eight because then you'd be able to, you'd be giving more opportunities to teams that really do deserve it. And there's a there's a better possibility of teams that maybe you've never heard of. Uh, and I don't want to say never heard of, but teams that weren't necessarily dominant early on, they would at least have an opportunity to pull off a stunner. Um, kind of like a wildcard team in the NFL, per se. I, th- I think that's the best comparison I can make. So uh, the NCAA's got to consider expanding from four to eight. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. All right, we're doing the penalty flag segment. First flag I want to throw, uh, it's on Amazon, and more specifically this Amazon driver. I'm sure you guys have noticed, but Amazon has been doing delivery now, kind of like UPS and FedEx. But there's one Amazon driver uh, who was caught on camera pooping on a man's driveway. Look, in a in a time now where just about everyone, and not everyone's going to admit these kinds of things, of course, but just about everyone out there has some sort of security camera, some sort of a some sort of a security system where if you do something you shouldn't do, you're probably not going to get away with it. And uh, by the way, I've been getting a couple of these Amazon deliveries, uh, and Amazon's a great place, but the delivery system that they're using. Looks bad on all of Amazon. Uh, it really does. Uh, you know, the, the way they come up in these rental cars and they're not in uniform and they look a little suspicious. Uh, just not a very good system. And I would suggest, not that I'm sort of, some sort of an expert when it comes to the delivery industry, but I would suggest a bit of a different system. Because pooping on a man's driveway with these employees, especially when you're new and you're trying to make a name for yourself, that's not a good business move. Not a good business move at all. Oh boy, this is just really comical to me. Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Alabama Republican candidate Roy Moore, they have some sort of a back and forth issue here. And uh, apparently Jimmy Kimmel mocked Christian values. And uh, on Twitter, 
Because let's just be honest, all these politicians are going on Twitter nowadays. Roy Moore uh, took a shot at Kimmel and wanted to invite him to Alabama to discuss Christian values, in which Jimmy Kimmel accepted, which I think can only go wrong for Roy Moore. Let me just say this about comedians. I would not want to go have a debate and go up against a comedian. I just wouldn't. Jimmy Kimmel... Uh, who, for whatever reason, gets criticized when he comes up with logical, not necessarily logical ideas, but he wants to move in the right direction. He gets criticized for that, which I think is comical. Um, Joe Rogan, uh, who, of course, is a UFC announcer, was also the host of Fear Factor. That guy has to be one of the most intelligent people I have ever heard. I definitely would not want to go up against that guy in a, in a verbal debate, it, not one bit, or even in, in some sort of physical altercation. That guy's a black belt in jujitsu. All right, uh, these comedians nowadays, especially, and look at Saturday Night Live and how they've been able to take advantage of all of this drama that we've got in our nation. Not just politically, just just with anything. Uh, comedians are really bright minds. They've got to be really smart in their industry, and for them to do what they're doing, uh, they've got to, I mean, you just got to know what you're talking about if you're going to try to talk down on a comedian. Not something I would want to do. As always, uh, just started this now, actually. If you guys want to give me a funny story to put on here for the penalty flag segment, let me know. And I'll give you guys credit for it. One of you guys sent me a story. I will actually share that on the next podcast. If any of you guys, whether it's the next podcast or the podcast after, if you got a funny story that you want me to put on the Chiefs on podcast for the penalty flag segment, let me know. If it's a good story, I'll give you credit on the on the podcast. I'll mention your name and, and we'll go over the story and, and have fun with it here on. So let me know if you guys have a story that I think is, is worth, if you guys think it's worth sharing here on the penalty flag segment. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Stone Podcast. As far as Yusugi in, I know these aren't t- fun times. They're just not fun times to talk Chiefs football. I understand. But nonetheless, I do appreciate all of you guys joining in, talking Chiefs football with me, whether it's on social media, listening to the podcast, whatever it may be. Always greatly appreciate it. You guys are bringing it this season. And always love talking to you guys, interacting with you guys. Always want to hear your thoughts. You guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Vesugian. Give it a like, follow me on there. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Share the links on social media. Spread the word about the Chiefs on Podcast. Helps the podcast out greatly. Much appreciated for those who have been doing that. And as always... Let's keep the discussion going. I know the team may not be doing well, but we'll continue to to do our thing and continue to talk Chiefs football, win or lose, regardless what happens at the end of the day. And I know you guys are going to be doing it with me. We'll do the Facebook Live at, at halftime and after every game. So we'll do that again this Sunday. But before that, we'll have our preview podcast. That'll be out this Thursday. So that'll be the next time the Chiefs on Podcast comes out. Be sure you check out my other podcast, my MMA podcast, The Cage Zone as I'll be recapping UFC 218 on that one and much more. Appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Until then, I'll talk to you guys on Thursday.